0: Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. Acts chapter number 9 verses 1 through 8 says this, Now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, So that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, capital W, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? (laughs) Saul said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. He replied, but get up and go into the city. And you will be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could, not, he could see nothing. So he took him; they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. I'll simply ask for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours, and each one of us would walk in obedience to what we hear today. I pray for that one, including myself that needs the light of God in their life. Whatever capacity that is, it's from knowing you as a personal Savior, making sure that our, our calling and election is assuring Christ, or Lord, if it's I need direction or discovery in my life, whatever it is, God, I pray for the light of God to shine on our lives today. And we'll be obedient to what you tell us to do, just as, as Saul was. God, we'll be careful to praise you now and forevermore, for we ask you and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. How does change happen? And today I'm not just talking about a little curve or you know, a little thing. I want us to think in big thing. What would it take for 180 degree change to happen? And when I think about Saul, and you might know or not know, but Saul will eventually be Paul in this sermon. But what we find out with Saul is he was going 180 degrees one way, and he had an encounter with Jesus Christ in the spirit world. And he was changed 180 degrees. What I find in studying about Paul and Saul, and I'll use those words interchangeably, what I find is unique in studying about him is God already knew his personality. He already knew his work ethic. He already knew his education and his intellect and all that. And all God had to do is get him going the right direction. So today I want to share that with you. What does it it take for change to happen? You might not be familiar. You might be with the name Mark Batterson. Mark Batterson started a phenomenal church in, in Washington, D.C. You can go find it online. and, and that I mean, he, he also authored several books. One of them is several books that are, that are called The Circle Maker in different departments. But phenomenal read uh, about drawing circles in your prayer life and in fasting and what you need God to do in your life. And Just a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And I'm not just referencing it. I've read it. I've marked it up. You can't have mine. <laughs> you can find one. I might have one or two extras. But a phenomenal, phenomenal read. But he said this, and and he said this about decisions. He said, you're always one decision away from a totally different life. And I just want to settle in on that today, and I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what's going on in everybody in this room. Some I do, and I'm not preaching to one or two, but for all of us generally. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know this. Today, potentially, you're a one decision (laughs) about having a totally different life. I know that's right in salvation. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. I know that's right in decisions that we make, that God enlightens us and it's time for us to change something in our earthly life. And but we're just one decision away from having a totally different life. That's so true. Paul had it all. Paul had it all. He had position, he had power, he had purpose. I believe the thing about him is when he was when his name was Saul, he was wide open persecuting Christians because he thought they were anti-God. He thought they were living in darkness. He thought they were the enemy, and he was wide open trying to deal with this issue. See, I don't believe it's one of those things that he knew God and he was living opposite of God, or he was in, in conflict with God. I think everything of the resolve of his heart is he thought he was doing what was right until the light <laughs> shone from heaven. How, I don't believe in filler verses. <laughs> I want to fill that in for you. I don't believe they're just verses in the Word when somebody was writing and they said, you know, I can't get from point A to point B, so I've got to put a little verse in there. I don't believe there's any filler verses in the Word of God. I think they're all inspired of God. Every word, every verse, every chapter, every book is inspired by Almighty God. I believe it. And it takes a lot of faith to believe that, if you know the history of how the Bible came to be, but I believe it is. I believe God's able to do that. I really do. That he's able to put everything together, what he wants us to have, to call the holy scriptures for you and me. I don't believe in filler verses. And I want to show you one that some might call a filler verse today. It's just a one tucked away, but it has such significance for us today in understanding. It's found in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. It says this. It says, they dragged him, talking about Stephen. It says, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. I want you to understand today as we we just frame this is that if we're going to have God do something significant, we're going to have an encounter with God. There are characteristics and perspectives that I think we can glean from this story that fit for you and me. I don't believe God just does things by coincidence. Hmm. And I've said already, but I'll say one more time that what's neat about this encounter today is that it can happen to you and me. The encounter that I read to you in Acts chapter 9, we we're under, it's a big word, but we're under the same dispensation of grace that they were then. People believe, theologians believe, I don't know how close Paul was ever to Jesus, with Jesus. We don't have one recorded physical encounter. What's unique up to now, all of the, the, the encounters that we preached on have been physical encounters that people had with Jesus. This encounter, you know by now, is a spiritual encounter that Saul slash Paul had with Jesus Christ. And the great news is, listen to me, I hope everybody's watching, listen to me. Right now, today, you can have that same encounter with Almighty God. Isn't that great? Isn't that great that we no longer have a high priest that takes our issues to the Lord, but today you and I can come boldly to the throne of God, and God can reveal himself to us? It can happen to you and me. So when I think about this 180-degree change, how does 180 change happen? And I left out the word degree, you understand that. How do I go from going one direction to completely changing? give you some thoughts today. Number one... I think for that to happen, you've got to be ready for it. That comes back to that verse and reminds you that I believe Paul slash Saul was in a place to be ready for it. I believe that God sets the environment for you and me. The Scripture says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him and hum- him with me. You know, oftentimes people think they get right with God when they, when they get ready. <laughs> you get right with God when God gets ready. And I know that's hard for some people. People say, wait a second now. You know, didn't he die for all? But let me tell you something. God's the one that knocks on the door. I remember thinking through this and working and writing some things, preaching some sermons and teaching some lessons on this many years ago. And this thought crossed my mind that that if you're one of those that walks to your door several times a day or week and looks to see if anybody's at the door, you might need some friends. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, just think about that. That'd be crazy. How do you know somebody's at the door? The house that you live in has a door knocker on the door or it has a place where you can knock or it's wood and somebody can knock with their hands. We understand that in our culture. We also have doorbells. Today, it's amazing to me, about nine out of 10 doors that I've gone to in our, in our deal have a camera. <laughs> you know, people, people are watching. But what I have noticed in this, a lot of people think in their spiritual life, you open the door of your heart when you get ready. Listen to me. And I know it's a play on words, but God gets us ready to open the door. He's the one that knocks on the door. We don't open the door when we get ready and just assume that God's always on the stoop of the house or the porch of the house waiting to come in. He sets us up. That's the reason a place like today, if you sense God speaking to you about something, it's big stuff. I tell people I've done nothing right in my life consistently over decades that I could pinpoint, you know, I try to live right. But there's one thing I could say I could say would be the greatest mark of my spiritual life. And I'm not ego here. I'm just sharing this with you. Because my pastor taught me this at a very young age that if the God of the universe, many times you've heard me say this, if the God of the universe takes time to speak to me about something in this service today, it must be pretty big. Y'all still with me? See, if God speaks to my heart about something, if God gets me ready, if He knocks on my door about something, He shows me an attitude, He shows me sin, He shows me a word, He shows me something in my life that's not right, it must be pretty large if the God of the universe spoke to me about that. You with me now? And I've just always said, wait a second, God, if you'll speak to my heart, I'm going to deal with it. I can name you very few times in my life that i sat in a church when God spoke to my heart, sometimes as the pastor, sometimes when a revival preacher's here. Other times when I was coming along, when God would speak to my heart during the worship service, come to an altar and pray about something. I know it's big stuff when God speaks to your heart that you need to be obedient to what God's telling you to do. God gets us ready for that. Okay? Not only ready, but listen to this. Next, when I think about this 180-degree change, it's also about realization. Hmm. The realization is, and for the story, the light shone from heaven. Saul was going one way. God turned the light on what was really going on. Hmm. The realization. Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Sometimes we'd say in our Christian life that light is for direction. i, I got to have a decision. i, I got to do something. I feel like God's moving me to do something, so we need Direction. But also that light serves for discovery, too. Sometimes God reveals the light and shows us what, where we are in our life and what we need in our life. So it's not only direction, but it's also discovery. Psalm 27, 1 reminds us of that. It's real simple, and we'll move on. But, but it needs to be said, and this will not win me friends in the whole theology thing, but listen to me very carefully. Did you know that you've got to realize that you're lost before you can be saved? Let that sink in now you got to realize you're lost before you can be saved. See, what's going on in the world today, many times people just think, well, everybody is. Everybody's going. Everybody's going to heaven, and that's not what the Word of God says. And what I know about a swimming pool, you know it's summertime, and if you, people have a swimming pool, people are using it up, aren't they? I mean, using it a lot. But this is what I know about a swimming pool, is you know the person that's doing okay in the water, and you know the person that's drowning, <laughs> They don't, look, they don't look the same. Listen, the person that's drowning is screaming, save me. I'm drowning. And so they realize that there's something going on. And in the spirit world, I believe with everything about me, that God gets us ready for you and me to realize that we need a Savior, that I'm lost and undone without God or His Son. And so we realize it. That's what Paul had come through. See, he had to realize that the direction he was going, even though he was assured in his own heart and intellect it was the right way, the light had to shine from heaven to show him that he was going the wrong way. Isn't that amazing? And you know what? Listen, this comes to mind. Did you know everybody that says, Lord, Lord,'s not going to enter in? Now, listen, I'm just one of those that think through stuff, and I'll tell you this, that lends itself to think on judgment day, They're going to be people right up until the point that God says he doesn't know them that thinks they are okay. I'm not here to scare anybody. But I will tell you that I'm going to stand on the authority of God's word. I believe with everything about me, Paul just couldn't get saved. He had to get ready to be saved. (laughs) And then he had to realize that a light had to shine from heaven to really show him, wait a second, I'm headed the wrong direction. And I do love the realization, let me tell you what it is. Who is this? Lord (laughs) he even recognized spiritually what was going on, even though it was way outside of his comfort zone. So we're ready. There's realization. Here's the number three. You ready? Then comes redemption. Hmm. Hmm. Saul was changed. I'll say without backing up, his life was never the same. I've got to put this out there because it's a part, it seems like, of today's theology and doctrine. It's almost like we can get God. It's almost like an elixir. We can take God, put him in our pocket he, he's a card we play. He's a, he's a get-out-of-jail-free card, but yet we go right on living the life that we were living before. You don't hear much more, and I listen to a lot of preachers, but I don't hear much anymore about the life change that comes along. We'd rather know how much sin we can have in our life and know the Savior and have all of His promises instead of being what God wants us to be in redemption. The neat thing that I see about Paul is is, is Saul and Paul, he was going this way, and when redemption set in, he went 180 degrees. It's less than two chapters later that the religious elite of that day that he was a part of are now wanting to kill him. It's amazing. Redemption. Mm. And today it's troubling. We wonder why we're in the shape we're in. We wonder why today, that, and please don't, if this doesn't apply to you, please don't be too offended because it applies to me. We wonder today why millennials don't want anything to do with it for the most part. We wonder why Gen Z is saying, hey, there's nothing to that. You know why? Because now we have generation before us that have said we know Christ, but yet our life doesn't look like it. Hmm. Mighty quiet out there today. Our life doesn't look like it. We'd rather look like the world and have God as this elixir in our pocket that's going to be our get-out-of-hell-free card Instead of living the life that God's called us to live. One of the things I see with this encounter is Paul was never, ever the same. And we have book after book after book he wrote to affirm that to us. We have what he went through. It's even says you go on, you know, oh, listen, the redemptive part of it. We have books where he wrote and told us. And he's told in the book of Acts that he was going to suffer greatly for the cause in the kingdom. He never got over that. Two times in the New Testament when he was writing, he, he referred to himself as the least of the apostles because he persecuted the church. Hmm. He never got over where he came from, but he never went that way anymore either. Redemption. I was just riding down the road yesterday. I was with uh, two women in my life, uh, two of the three, and, and uh, I had earbuds in riding down the road. Not because I was tuning them out. I was just had some things on my mind and so on my phone, this, this, this song, I haven't thought about it in years, but there's a song that Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote, and I don't know what your genre of music is. I don't know what you like to listen to. I'm one of those crazies. I listen to a lot of different music, uh, it's one, and I'm talking about in the Christian set, uh, that, that part, and, and uh, I'm one of those. It didn't really bother me, and this one, that one. but uh, I grew up and was reared on Southern gospel music. Um, I just was. I was dragged to concerts and I, I still love quartet music. I like when people can blend parts together and they sound like one voice. And, and I just love all that. And, and this song, Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote many years ago. The name of the song is entitled Thanks to Calvary. And, and I want to show you today on the, that song is the man that you need to go look on YouTube and see him sing it with Bill Gaither there with him and, and, the, and the cathedrals is George Ounce. George Ounce passed away in 2005. Unbelievable bass singer. Deep, Deep voice. If you go find that today, I promise you, if it doesn't bless your heart, as old timer said, if it doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet, okay? Uh, George Ounce singing, thanks to Calvary. And the lyrics talk about that uh, I'm not the man I used to be. Uh, the lyrics talk about how God did something in a man's heart and it changed him. And The second verse starts out that he came in and the, the sun went and hid behind the door. And it alludes to the fact that it was emotional or or physical abuse and the son went and hid and the the daddy gets him out and says, listen, I just want you to know that thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man that I used to be. Folks, there's something wrong, listen, there's something wrong if we can portray a gospel in any percentage that somebody can come to know Christ and not change. Amen? Something's wrong. If we can talk about the redemptive power of Almighty God and we not change environment, change friends, change what we're doing, change mission in life, direction that we're going. We spent way too much time as the church explaining a way of how we can live like the world and still have Jesus in our heart instead of 180. Huh? Paul was wide open, listen, wide <laughs> open against Christ. He had an encounter. For the rest of his life, and it's documented, he was wide open for him. That's what God's called us to be. It's called redemption. And thanks to Calvary, <laughs> I am not the man I used to be. You know what? And I'll say this to move on. I don't have a hell to heaven story. I wasn't way out. I wasn't strung out on something. I, there's, there's some passages out there that have unbelievable testimonies, what they were doing before Christ. Okay, I was having a hard time really being a great sinner before at seven. Okay, I'll just tell you that. Uh, You know, I was probably the worst seven year old sinner you've ever seen. I'll tell you that. But I don't have a hell to heaven story. But I will tell you this. Thanks to Calvary, that I met Jesus when I was seven, kept me out of a lot of junk in my life. Amen? Thanks to Calvary, I'm not the man I could be. Thanks to Calvary, if anyone comes to Calvary, they're a new creature. The old has passed away, and behold, all have become new. See, I still believe in redemption. I still believe that God changes lives. I don't believe it's a greasy grace that you can have enough of God to go to heaven, but live like the world until you get there. God saved us more than that. I know that doesn't make me popular, but I do believe the Word of God bears that out. Here's redemption. And last, and I love this part, Paul was not always his name. If you if you got the text today, his name was Saul. And, you know, I set out this week to find out something. I thought, well, I always thought that God, and, and I didn't really ever know. But I said, well, how did his name end up being Paul anyway? It's Saul in that text. And if you go up, we, we lose we lose Saul for about three chapters, and then the story about Peter and Cornelius and things. And all of a sudden, in chapter thirteen of Acts, then he's Paul, and all of his writings, he's Paul. He's he's Paul from then on. One time he's referenced that. Saul, who is now Paul by another writer, but he's Paul. And and I began to wonder why, you know, Jesus changed Peter's name from Simon to Peter. You're the rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. God changed Jacob's name to Israel in the Old Testament. God changed Abram's name to Abraham, the father of many nations. So I know God's in the name-changing business, but what I found out, and didn't find out, if you will, is we don't have any reference that God changed his name from Saul to Paul. You know what I believe, and this is just a little bit of liberty. You know what I believe? I believe Paul changed Paul's name from Saul to Paul. I've had many guys. I don't tell you how redemption works. <laughs> I believe there were times, Ananias said it, and you go and look in just a few verses after that, God speaks to Ananias and says, listen, there's a guy that's going to be down there on the street called Straight, and I want you to go down there. I want you to touch him so he'll, be, he'll receive his sight again. And that Ananias said, wait a second, that, that Saul character, isn't that the guy that was persecuting the church? Wasn't that? He He was killing people like me. Lord, is this it? Is this where it's going to end? (laughs) He said, no, no, no. I got my hand on him. And he said something very profound. Go read it in Acts. It says he was going to suffer for me. Wow. Church, don't we need to hear that today? When I look around me, I could tell you some things that happened to me in the last two or three days that have rocked my world when it comes to my stand for Christ. We're living in a day and age where we've been bombarded by things that we're told to say that are right and stands that we're supposed to not take that the Word of God says we're supposed to take. And I want to remind you this day and age that God's called us to stand. Hmm? huh? God's called us to be different and look different. And I know that's not popular, but I'd rather be popular with God and take those stands that God asks us to. Oh, listen to me, the day and age we're living in, it's so true. It's so true. So here's where we are. (laughs) I believe everything about me, this is the deal. Someone would come up to Paul and say, now listen, weren't you, weren't, weren't you got that guy that was doing all that? He said, yeah, that was me, but I, I want to tell you something. That was Saul. That was before the light shone. Mm. Then there'd be someone else. And, That's that guy. That's that guy that was doing all that stuff. I saw him. No, 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 no. You're right, but that was that guy before the light shone from heaven. You know what we need, folks? This is where I want to end today. You know what we need? You you know what makes the difference in our life? The light of God. I don't like talking about this kind of stuff, but I wasn't even out of Bible college. Huh. Wasn't even out of Bible college. We were going on a trip. We, we We were summer workers. We were at a camp. There was about six of us. And we fought and fussed and didn't get along. We didn't like each other. We didn't want to be around each other. But, brother, when the light turned on, it's time to do worship service. We're all standing up there singing like we love each other and love God. We're teaching and preaching and telling everybody about the love of God, but we hated each other. And I remember in my own heart saying, God, if this is what it is, then I missed something somewhere. You know what happened that encampment for me that week? Literally the light of God shined. I don't have time to tell the 10-minute story. Hmm. I wanted to quit the ministry. I don't like talking about that. I wanted to quit the ministry in 1995. There's nothing I don't like to talk about. And I won't, I won't be light about it. I don't have time to. I don't have time to be heavy or light about it. But I was tired of it. I'm going to quit. You know what kept me there? <laughs> the light of God. Times in my life, things have gone on. A nephew of mine gets hit by a van out in front of my house. They're there for less than 24 hours. Hmm. I said, Lord, why didn't we world me? Why my house? Still deal with it today. Why, Lord? Why my house? You know what got me by it? Still continues to today. The light of God. I've said it for decades. I don't need the solution to my problems. What I need is the light of God. I need God's presence. And when he comes, I know it's going to be okay. Because big brother, the the Savior, the Messiah, the friend that's sticking close to the brother has shown up. I know it's going to be okay. Amen? I know it's going to be all right because God has shown up. You know what the difference makers are? The difference makers when the light of God comes. Change Paul, change Saul to Paul, <laughs> and it'll change you and me. I was thinking about this. I love word usage. And, and I was thinking along these lines, the whole deal with, with word usage. Um, I started thinking about the word light and and, and the word light that's the, the letters light or the word light that's in other words. And some things came to mind, and I want to share them with you quickly today, um, The first one that came to mind is when I think about what makes the difference in the light, sometimes it's enlightenment. Sometimes sometimes we need an answer. Amen? I mean, I've been there as a pastor where someone was trying to decide whether they're going to have treatment or not over cancer. When when do you call off the dogs? When do you call off the doctors? When do you say enough's enough? you got to have enlightenment. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's an occupation. Maybe it's change. Maybe it's a calling. You, you, you need enlightenment. God, I need a decision. I need clarity. And when I think about the light, sometimes the light comes in enlightenment. It doesn't just shine on the Damascus Road. It comes in our heart, and we know it. And when you know it, you'll stand. That's what I do know. So you need enlightenment. Let me show you another one. I think about light. It comes to mind in this regard. We need sunlight. Sometimes we need warmth and comfort. Sometimes we need assurance. <laughs> God, that you've got this. And today, I want you to know: if you have something going on in your life where you need to know that God's guided, I just want you to know that He does. Sometimes we need the sunlight, and sometimes it's so in sunlight. Even in the Old Testament, they had assurance that God Almighty was going to take care of them. Do you need that light today? <laughs> First, do you need an enlightenment? You know that awareness, that knowledge. You know that God is guided; He's going to take care of it. You need that that. Head awareness. Now you need that, just that warm, that hug that lets you know by the sunlight of God, He's going to take care of it. Thirdly, and I like this one, though it's a very tough point, is that when I think about light, we also need to delight. But shouldn't sometimes we be convicted by the griping and complaining we do? How blessed we are. And yet God tells us in His Word for us to delight in the Lord. He delights. You know, when we love him and when there's a peace that passes all understanding and we realize that God is a God of blessing, we often look at the curse and we always look at the things that don't wrong. But we need to turn sometimes and delight in what God has done. And bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless the Lord. Delight. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, and someone said, well, what's that have to do with the light? Listen, when you get in God's presence, you'll see the things the way God sees them. Hmm? We need the light of God so that I see from God's perspective about things instead of the world's things. And one more. It's a good one, too. <laughs> when I think about light. And someone's like, well, who does he think he is? It is twilight, the last one. We'll get to that verse, hopefully. Twilight. Let's do it very carefully. Um, I'll soon be 56 years old. It, it won't be long. Fast as it's coming, it's three months away. It'll be here before we know it. That's how fast it's going by. I'm closer to the. I think I'm closer to the grave than I am my birth date. Would you agree with that? I, I don't think I'm gonna live past 111 or 12. So I would say I'm I'm on the last half. Some of you, please don't be offended, but you're in the last quarter. Some of you are at the two-minute warning. You you with me? I mean, some of you they just called their last time out. You know, you're trying to go down the field the last time, trying to score that last touchdown. Shouldn't, shouldn't we know that He's not only the author of our faith, but He's the finisher of our faith? Shouldn't we remember verses like this, let Him complete, you know, let Him finish the good work that He's begun in you? We should be reminded that at the twilight, God still wants light in our life. He's, he wants us even in the last quarter, even at the Thank 2 Thank you for running. listening to this broadcast from Lakeshore Church in Byram, Mississippi with Pastor Jay Frazier. We invite you to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org. Thank you for joining us.